Well, hello out there, everybody. This is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Good job. Keep it up. everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Randy Hardenbrook. And we've got another good episode for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. In our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about unconventional monsters. Is that the way you, yes. you put it? Which kind of challenged my mind a little bit. Not that I have many picks, but I think the few I have are good ones for unconventional monsters. What about you guys? It's like yeah. horror movie monsters that aren't the normal... Yeah. yeah, yeah, not yeah. not what you would typically expect. Not yeah, I got a zombies and you know axe murderers and shit like that. Draculas, I know. And then after <laughs> and then after that, we're going to be welcoming uh, writer and director Rob Ciano to the show to talk about his indie horror film Shimmer, which we got a chance to watch and was pretty good. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, it, it was, was definitely good. unique. Yeah, it was a good watch. So very excited all the way around for this episode. But before we get into it, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. If you like what we're doing, head over to CandairPodcast.com. You can support us in a few different ways over there. There's a merch button, mugs, t-shirts, stickers you, you can get. Or you can join our Patreon to get extra content. There's Candare Patreon Pod at the $5 level. And at the $10 level, not only do you get that, but you get access to other shows like uh, The Comic Vault, uh, Canned Classics, uh, what else? The Traumatic Episode. Yeah, our Ooh. 80s Trivia Episode. All kinds of cool things on there. Many ways to support us and uh, get something back for said support. Uh, what am I forgetting? Uh, your boys are on evergreenpodcastnetwork.com. Go check us out. Check out all the other great shows on there. And yeah. There it is. In a nice little package. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And away we go! I'll be back. Shut up! Shut up! All right, guys, Unconventional Monsters. Jack, kick us off. This one turned into a cartoon series. I don't know if you guys know what it is already. Son of a bitch. Swamp Thing. Attack of the the Killer killer Tomatoes. tomatoes. Oh, my God. Now that... (laughs) Yeah. Well, there goes one off my list. I I knew that was going to probably be on the list. I I wouldn't be surprised if a couple others are, too. And it's hard to imagine that when we were kids and that came out, we were just like, all right, yeah. Yeah, we believe it. Tomatoes, they yeah. kill. <laughs> but why not? <laughs> I've I mean, never seen it, but I remember looking at the back of the VHS box, and it didn't really, I mean, I remember seeing a couple of tomatoes that were kind of half smushed on the ground, but nothing yeah. like the picture, like the cartoons did. They didn't have faces. My only exposure was the cartoon. Yeah. Like, I, in my adulthood, have seen uh, clips from that movie, and holy shit, <laughs> it's hard to believe that they were putting out things like that, uh even at the, even in the late 80s like i remember one scene there was like a great big paper mache tomato uh-huh. rolling on its <laughs> side after people and i thought what what but again as a kid the idea of tomatoes that could kill you was acceptable sure. i mean we, we'd already accepted humanoid turtles at this point yes. so yes. it wasn't going too far out you know on a limb yeah sure why not and that uh, cartoon you know had the typical you know the the good tomato that was yeah. like you know, a pet to the main character, and mm-hmm. he kind of seemed mentally slimer. disabled, though. He yeah, was just he did. Like, yeah. Ah, man, man. like I don't <laughs> think he really knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> and not only that, we've had three voice actors from that show on mm-hmm. our. Uh, I know Rob Paulson was one. Who were the other? Lamarsh and uh, Larry Neil, Kenny, Neil Ross. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. That's wow! Right, yeah, the whole lineup, and didn't even know it. Yeah. I have wow. to get a tomato and throw it up on my shelf with the, the canned air gift <laughs> shelf. Just tell me it's a real tomato and just like stick it up there. <laughs> just rotting up there months later. All right, good pick. All right, Randy, what do you got, Sai? So I'm going to bring up Hitchcock's The Birds. Damn it! Wow. That was one of mine. Wow. <laughs> was Apparently, it really? Yeah. Jack and I were on the uh, same wavelength. I'm guessing so. What? I don't remember the film. What was it about the birds that were making him kill everybody? Well, it was actually based on a true story. 
in uh, California and a couple years before the film was actually made, there was a uh, huge flock of seagulls that uh, got high on some toxic algae and started dive bombing people, cars, and windows. No shit. I'm dead serious. Then the and people ran. They ran <laughs> so far away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the uh, inspiration for the birds. Really? For Hitchcock, yeah. I never heard of that. I lived in California. Well, apparently your seagulls are getting high and like been to the town that the birds was filmed in. I don't. That's probably not where it actually happened, though. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of uh, like crows and stuff like attacking people in very select situations. I don't think it's a common thing, but maybe if their nesting area feels threatened or something, you know. Yeah. But no, this was like a whole freaking flock just going ape shit in California. So it was hard so to always drunk off uh, toxic algae. Yeah, much. high, drunk, whatever. <laughs> wow, perfect <laughs> set of circumstances. I, I grew up with birds my whole life. Like we have always had a bird in my house. Well, when I grew to adulthood, I said no more birds. But when I was living with my folks, we always had birds. We had like I remember having parakeets and cockatiels, and, and you know, in teenage years, we had actual like, parrots. And those things are far more <laughs> horrifying, if you ask me, than uh, the birds from Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the one put a hole clear through my lip once. I mean, when oh, they could, if they, if they, if they wanted to, they could bite your finger probably yeah, oh, clean off. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't remember what the like <clears throat> pounds per square inch is on particular oh, birds' bites, birds, but yeah. holy crap! Like it, it's nothing to cut through the skin. It's just like. <laughs> A hot knife to butter. So I actually watched this movie when I was probably way too young. And uh, the backstory I had for this was we went to visit some family members in Kentucky. And when we were driving down the road, uh, we actually hit a buzzard that like like flew into the windshield of my dad dad's car. Are you serious? And it was pretty soon after I saw the uh, the movie too, so it was like holy shit. And I was <laughs> Just like, bring it to life. Yeah, in your mind. it literally was. It wow. freaked me die, the hell out. Mom and Dad. <laughs> well, I was gonna say the simple fact of growing up with birds kind of made me desensitize to anything like that. Like, okay. eh, birds. What what are you guys? Fucking yeah, know? I got a hole in my lip. But <laughs> I that might you know that might scare the hell out of me. Did it break the windshield at all? Did it crack the windshield? I don't remember it cracking the windshield, but it, it exploded all over the windshield because my dad was going probably a little bit too fast. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I was... remember like when I first started driving, I had a great big Oldsmobile Delta mm-hmm. 88. <laughs> thing was like it had V8 engine. It was huge. <laughs> but I remember when uh, I hit a bird, a bird just flew straight down into the grill of my car and it was a big bird. It wasn't the size of a buzzard, but it was like a larger crow or something. And it hit the grill of the car and just shot straight up in the air. (laughs) And I just kept looking in the rear view like, it's got to come down eventually. And then eventually, like, one of those, like, badminton balls just come, like, twirling out of the sky. (laughs) Launched that bitch to this Oh, it really launched it because it didn't come down for some time. Unless it tried to regain itself, fly away, and then just gave up. I don't know what the hell was going on up there. But, oh, man. Imagine the Pixar movie recreation of the birds. They'd be calling out their their targets. The bird, the the seagulls would be sitting there. Mine, 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 <laughs> mine, mine. Don't give them any ideas. Right? <laughs> we won't get paid for it. <laughs> All right, um, mine's going to have to be uh, the fly. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, movie. I thought about that one. Yeah, yeah. I've only ever seen it once. It was a long time ago, but just his transformation like was horrifying. Mm, so gross. It was so nasty. There was like a point in there where he was kind of starting to look like the wolf man a little bit, like mm-hmm. in mid-transformation. But uh, That's when he started pulling eyeballs and teeth out. Yeah. 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 When he on the ceiling at one point, like mm-hmm. when she came in. So it always made me wonder, though, like if Jeff Goldblum... So, okay, so it was like a matter teleporter, right? Yeah. Sure. And a fly went in there with him, and that's what made them, like, cross-mutate or whatever. Right. It's mm-hmm. what made him slowly turn into a giant fly. So, does this mean that there then, without ever being seen, was a fly that turned into a little Jeff, Jeff Goldblum? Goldblum. <laughs> I don't know. Wasn't that in the the original one with, oh, I can't remember his name, Vince Vincent Price? I've never seen the original. Like it was a it was a man with a fly head and then yeah. a fly with a man's head. Oh, they spoofed that on The Simpsons. That's that's how they did it on The Simpsons on mm. one of their Halloween things because Bart and a fly went through. It was so funny. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> I remember that one now. But yeah, I don't know if that I don't think they ever went any 
that route at all in Jeff Goldblum. No, he just it turned just into a like monster. a big monster yeah. fly. They just horrifying. meshed them together into one being instead of swapping. Right. Yeah. In the movie world, there's got to be a little little Goldblum somewhere, right? <laughs> you just made my day with that because now I'm just imagining a little Goldblum going around going. Oh, you don't have oh, to imagine oh. it. There's a there's a Goldblum toy on the shelf behind me here. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> we made it happen. I guess we have the technology. He's no longer Ian e. Malcolm. He's the fly that turned into Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Jack, back to you. This one's kind of unconventional, I guess. But I guess machines have always been a monster in some in a lot of horror movies, but not really toasters and dishwashers and stuff like that with uh, Maximum Overdrive. I've never seen that. The Earth got caught in the tail of a comet that was flying by, and like the radiation from it was making all the machines pretty much come to life. Mm. Toasters came to life? Everything, yeah. There was a diner and like blenders and stuff. They weren't really coming after the people, but they were misbehaving. Just nom nom. Yeah, shit. (laughs) And then cars and stuff were just running people down. Even Mm. the steamroller was driving. I think it was across the baseball field and just mashed a kid. You just see him get pulled up underneath and just the stripe of blood on the big wheel oh. in the front. Was there a, a um, vehicle at a con from that movie or something? Yeah, it was a semi with the, the Green Goblin face on it. Yes! Yeah. That's okay. why it's okay. ringing a bell in yeah. my head. So, I what was the story of the Green Goblin head on the front of the semi in the movie? It was a toy truck. It was a little toy. No, it was a toy. It was carrying toys. It was like a Toys R Us truck. Oh. Uh, or something like that. It was just a a decked out semi that happened to have a big goblin face on it. It didn't really turn into that or anything. Hmm. I'm going to have to look up a clip of that because every time we've seen that truck, I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, like (laughs) what is the story behind this thing? I was disappointed when I was little and I finally watched the movie because that was such the the iconic thing for it. Yeah. I mean, maximum overdrive. Yeah. You think of that semi with the face. Yeah. And it's, I guess it was kind of like the leader. Of the other semis that were running after people it would and have stuff. To be. But yeah, just because it looks so <laughs> Who's cool, leading who? It's gotta be old goblin head over there. Yeah. I mean <laughs> it wasn't like the main focus, it was just all the machines in general. Yeah, I was not expecting you to go that route. I thought you were gonna say the uh toys from uh small soldiers. Oh man, that's a good pick. I love that. Are movie they monsters? So bad. Oh yeah, they were the I don't the remember soldier I've only side ever seen it once were the years ones, ago. They had a, a military chip in them. Yeah. The the all commandos right. were the bad guys. Yeah. I forgot about that. And then were they killing people? Uh, they were attacking people. Trying to, yeah. And then they went in the girls' room and like hijacked all the Barbies and pretty much made all these Barbie soldiers, too. So they were just attacking everyone, wow. too. I might that need to rewatch that movie. It's been a while. <laughs> Love that movie. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Randy, what you got? So my other pick, uh, and hopefully I'm not stealing yours, Jer, is uh, Arachnophobia. So uh, no, geez. but that's a good one. Yeah, uh, Jeff Daniels and uh, 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 John, John Goodman. Goodman. Yep. yep. Yeah. As the exterminator. Yeah. That uh, again, a movie I saw way too young and probably led to my arachnophobia. But um, I had it way before the movie. <laughs> that just <laughs> <you>? solidified <laughs> it a little bit more. Yeah. Having a room in the basement too. So. Ugh. Yeah, that mm. movie just creeped me the f out. And anytime I'd see a spider in the house after that, I just was like, "Hell no!" Mm-hmm. Those those were horrifying spiders. Didn't they have like big eggs, like gestating egg sacs yeah. too and stuff? Yes. Like they were. <laughs> but Jeff or John Gold or oh my god, John Goodman. There's too many J G <laughs> names. <laughs> but he was awesome in that because wasn't he like? Uh, he was the exterminator. Yeah, but wasn't he like very like uh, super eccentric, eccentric and nerdy? Yeah. 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 Yep. Like, like almost like daring them to fuck with him, kind of a taking thing. his job a little too seriously, yeah. <laughs> kind of like Dirty Harry exterminator. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. yeah. That, he was young when he did that. Yeah, role he, too. Was. he was. I was, had to have been one of his first films, probably, probably around pretty... King Ralph type time. Oh, I think it was before King Ralph. I think so. I, I'm almost positive. I think it had to have been like eighty six, seven. I know it was in the, the probably with the early primes of Roseanne because he still had his boyish charm to him yeah <laughs> King Ralph I think was Roseanne time yeah like yep. in the height of Roseanne popularity that horrible movie but for a movie that traumatized me so young I never would have expected it to be something something with Jeff Daniels and John Goodman in it yeah seriously yeah. <laughs> those two funny guys and they're the yeah. stars of a horror movie wonder how long uh, Jeff Daniels had been around uh, at that I, point I can't imagine it was I don't really know how old he is or when what he started with, yeah. but and what he's done I before had to have been that. one of those first roles. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good pick. Uh, did you guys ever see M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening? 
the trees are gonna kill us is that the one with marky mark yes i saw a part of it i don't know if it was in the middle or it might have been the end i think but i I don't know but i don't know what was happening but that's for sure well that's the point nobody (laughs) did that that was the twist ending is was that it was it was the earth it was the plants it was like mother nature trying to eradicate everything that's destroying it you know what i mean really yeah so it was essentially plants were like putting out this pheromone that people were catching a whiff of oh and they just walk off cliffs and stuff like they that, would just it? like instantly find the quickest way to kill themselves yeah. like people would like run into spikes or if somebody was in a car they just run it as fast as they could into a tree post or jump off a cliff or whatever whatever they could do to kill themselves immediately and I like that idea. That concept was kind of cool, but I just kept thinking, what the hell is going on? Because they just weren't ever alluding to anything. And I still like the concept. It's a cool idea, but I don't know. It was like the only way you knew bad shit was coming was like the trees would just kind of rustle. The wind <laughs> Oh my God, blowing. get in the house! <laughs> well, and just the fact that Marky Mark and so many scenes were just like trying to like talk to the trees like it's okay. It's all right. Did he? I don't remember that. The scene I remember, or maybe it was from the trailer. I don't know. It's been so long since I've seen that. Mm. But he was like trying to like talk to the trees like, it's okay. We're not going to hurt you. And the trees just flapping in the wind like, it's okay. It's I right. don't recall that. <laughs> Hippie Marky Mark. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to hurt you, man. I just uh, remember uh, one scene thinking like, are they actually running from the wind? Like, is that what this movie's like coming we gotta go, we gotta go. coming to? They're running from the wind? M. Night Shyamalan. I remember seeing Signs, and I, I got so excited with that movie. And then every single movie, this is going to be as good as Signs. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> signs was really good, though. It, it was. was really good. It was really that good. movie scared the living shit out of me mm-hmm. when it first came out. Oh, yeah. Um, that, there was that one scene, I, th- I think I've said it on the show before, where they're, like, watching the news, and there's, like, footage from a little girl's <gasps> yeah, like, birthday party. Yeah, in, uh, like, Spain or something like that, or something Mexico. Something like that, yeah, Mexico. Yeah. I don't remember. When it walks between the buildings, yeah. like, down the alley. Yeah. Vominos, children, vominos. Like, walks from the bushes just <clears throat> across an alley really quick. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time in the film you see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, like, fully clearly, literally, see clearly them. Yeah. see them. Yeah. And there was something about it just being that live footage angle to it that Scary struck as fuck. fear into yeah. my ass. Mind you, I've always grown up, I mean, I guess we all have, we're all in Ohio here, uh, in and around cornfields. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that they're running around in the corn and you occasionally see one of their feet sticking out from the corn stalks, you know, just that really accentuated it too. But there may have even been a thunderstorm the night we came home from seeing that thing. And I was like, there's going to be a silhouette on top of the house. <laughs> oh, God. I know it. Yeah. There's going to be a silhouette up there. He just there. There was so much done right in that movie, and then it just it seemed like every movie after that it was just all about the twist endings. Yeah, and it just I, uh, well, it was every movie after Six Sense was well, about the yeah, twist endings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But um, they in the twist ending, and that wasn't even it was good, but it was very anticlimactic. It was very much like War of the Worlds. Yeah, kind of way, Meryl. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the fact that water was their weakness, yeah. right? You know, it, just like in War of the Worlds, where it was just the common cold, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. bacteria. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but all the same, still a great, great movie. Swing Away, Meryl. I forgot about that. There were so many things that had happened through their life, like his wife, Mel Gibson's wife, when she was dying, pinned against that tree, mm-hmm. had said some shit to him that didn't make sense, but then later when all this is happening made perfect sense mm-hmm. and she was the one that told him to tell Meryl to swing away right that's right yeah 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 that was a horrible death that she had being pinned yeah to think? the tree yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my god and just having to go there just to see her just so they can back the car up to free yeah. her yeah that the, she was done then not moving the car was the only thing keeping her alive yep. Yep. right <clears throat> oh my god I used to get so mad at that movie, too, for them not bringing that second dog in. Like, when they're finally at the end of the movie, or towards the end of the movie, when, like, the aliens are attacking, and they left the dog chained up outside, and you mm. hear, like, the dog, like, getting killed slowly. Yeah. Like, I don't remember that. Growling part. and yelling. I don't care about it. You just hear it barking, growling, and then it's just yelps, and then it's just silent. Silent. Mm-hmm. Like, bring the dog in, you motherfuckers. Wasn't that Macaulay Culkin's brother in that, too? Like, the little boy was Macaulay Culkin's if brother? If it wasn't, he could have passed off as him. I think it was, but I don't remember for sure. 
uh, the asthmatic boy. And I, and that was another thing. The simple fact that he had asthma was the only thing that kept him alive mm-hmm. from breathing in the gas that yep. thing shot out of its wrist. Man, maybe I didn't give it enough credit. Maybe it was a better twist ending. <laughs> All these little things came to this one moment. What was it? The daughter would leave glasses all over the place that were full of water yeah yeah that left it open he kept bitching at her like why don't you put these back in the kitchen or something it's contaminated and then the end it's what saved their life yeah yeah good film i'm gonna have to watch that again (laughs) even though i was just talking shit on it but (laughs) Uh, another well go ahead guys what else you got any more i got one that is a pretty much a fear of most people that i know of but it was kind of a weird movie uh, killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I've never seen it, but I, I really, it, it's something I would have had to have seen, like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I, I at, a, at a certain age, I could have probably rolled with it and been okay with it, but now, no way. No, I don't think you could have rolled with it at any age. It's hard to to watch it all. It, the few times that I've tried sitting through, I've never seen the whole thing. I've seen parts of it, and it's. It's so long, it's just like, all right, I'm done. The deaths in that make Critters look like a cinematic masterpiece. Like, it's just <laughs> so freaking out there. Hmm. Yeah. They take the people and turn them into, like, cotton candy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then... It's the just, only way to kill them is to pop their nose or... Like, every gag <laughs> or every, like, death is somehow related to, like, some clown gag. I think there was one, yeah. like, water balloon, like, you know, the the water guns or something. And it was, it was, it, it, it just, yeah, it's so bad. I, I'm probably wrong, but I feel like within the past three years, I thought I heard that somebody was going to try to remake that. Oh, God, I hope not. I don't uh, know why. I don't know. Because it's a cult classic amongst shitty movie fans, you know? Or, hey, go the 90s route and make it a kid's show. <laughs> kids cartoon killer clowns from outer space I don't know space. the, the world's, world's pretty PC now I don't think they could make a killer clowns from outer space cartoon without parents being in an uproar no but um, we we really we came up in a very special time <laughs> yes we, we did. sure did yep <laughs> we really did how many adult IPs were made into kids shows <laughs> well not only that but just what you could get away with putting into a kids show oh, at yeah. the same time you know you know uh for instance, I always think of like Freddy Krueger being marketed toward children because he was such a success. But, you know, at the root of it, he's, he, a, pedophile. he's a pedophile that <laughs> killed children. So he couldn't do that shit now. You no, know? Yeah. But um, and that kind of stuff wasn't really being done before that mm. special place in time that we had the benefit mm-hmm. of growing up with. Then. So, yeah, I miss it. No cell phones. Awesome shit on TV. Yeah. What more could you want? 99 cent gas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Video game rentals every weekend. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then when you had the game, you had the game. <laughs> yep. It wasn't like, well, now DLCs. Well, now you got to buy this. Now you got to buy that. You could fire the game up and literally play it, not wait for a fucking hour for it to update. Yeah. And the yeah. games were finished. Yeah. yeah. Those were the days. <laughs> or not finished and there wasn't anything you could do about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> about you, Randy? Anything else? I'm tapped out, man. Yeah, I I don't know that this even qualifies. I know I've talked about this before, but just talking about signs always makes me think of the fourth kind. You ever seen it? Mm-mm. No, you've talked about that one on. I've talked about yeah. it before, but damn, is that not horrifying? It's it's a like a psychiatric doctor, I believe, if I remember, goes to Alaska, small small town in Alaska, to talk with all these people who I they don't know if they're having like sleep like. Uh, like it's deprivation a, deprivation like some kind of insomnia like uh, hallucinations or if they're actually seeing stuff outside their house but they all were describing an owl in their window hmm. and you come to find out that the owl that was sitting in the, on the windowsill wasn't an owl at all it was supposed to be like a gray's head looking in the window like a gray alien's head looking in oh. the window just kind of being mistaken for an owl but like, the more she kept digging, like, they passed this movie off at the, first. Didn't they have, like, a bunch of found footage that yeah. made it look like it was legit? What's the what's the girl from Resident Evil? Mia Jovovich. Yeah, she would come on screen, and she would tell you what you're about to see is a reenactment of events that took place in Alaska, blah, huh. blah, blah, blah. They really sold that shit as if it really happened. And then as you're watching the movie, when it would come to a part where they had, and I use air quotes, real footage of they would put the reenactment on the right side of the screen and on the left side was supposed to be the original footage oh wow and holy shit when you are sitting there in that theater thinking that that was supposedly <laughs> real 
like it jarred your mind. There was like one part where they they had this guy like in like hypnosis, trying to talk with whatever's speaking through him. Okay. And all of a sudden, his like, I mean, mind you, the the camera goes a little staticky sure. to kind of hide some of the effects. Kind of like the Blair Witch style. A little bit, yeah, but okay. his his eyes go wide and his jaw like opens so large it, it like unhinges and it's just like unnaturally far down and this ungodly noise coming from him it was horrifying what's that called again the fourth kind the fourth kind like the fourth out. kind of encounters i guess right okay. that's how it, what it was but check it out because it, it's a damn good movie you guys saying that made me think did you ever watch any of you watch the uh mothman prophecies oh yeah oh yeah yeah that was that's why i'd Learned Ohio history from mm. watching that movie since that's the one where the the bridge uh, collapsed, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, with and Mothman, Christmas and, Eve or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Richard Gere, I think, was in it. Was he? I don't remember. I can't remember who was in it, but okay. I remember watching that movie sent me down a uh, foxhole of like investigating like supposed stories about the real Mothman, and this was like when Netflix was within its first year or two into streaming. There was this like. Four, three four hour long documentary <laughs> that I was just like glued to that just had some ridiculous shit in it but everyone's in different encounters of it okay um, okay stuff like that it, it's it's cool I'd love to go where, where exactly is that? I know it's southern Ohio Point like Pleasant Point, Point Pleasant, Pleasant West Virginia yep it's right there on the edge yeah on right the edge the yep and they've got like a big Mothman statue in the middle of town right or something like it's I don't know about I that. I think one. there's yeah, an actual like I think they do a festival or something too. They probably do. I'd love to go check that out sometime. Let's do it. I'd be the the son of a bitch that got carried away though. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right guys, anything else to mention? I think we're good. That's it. I think it is. So, we're going to jump to a commercial really quick and when we come back, we're going to be talking with writer and director Rob Ciano about his movie Shimmer. Stick around. This is Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast. On Ohio vs. the World, we'll travel back in time with the authors, historians, and even witnesses to visit the most exciting, consequential, and too often overlooked topics that have shaped America's history. There seems to be an Ohio connection to so many important moments. When you said uh, Ohio versus the world, we did some damage. So join us and we'll take a deep dive to enlighten, educate, and entertain you as Ohio vs. the World makes history fun again. All right, we are back from commercial, and we are now joined by writer and director of the indie horror movie Shimmer, which we had the pleasure of watching, and I want to thank our guests for giving us the opportunity to watch. We welcome Rob Ciano to the show. Rob, thanks so much for being here, man. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. Again, thank you for letting us watch the film. It was a lot of fun. We uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. And very excited to talk to you about it. But before we do, I just wanted to kind of touch on your background a little bit. I had read that you started, or not started filmmaking, but your interest in film starts all the way back at age eight. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, Well, I mean, I always enjoyed watching movies as a kid. Um, You know, I I watched Mary Poppins. Like, my parents tell me that I watched Mary Poppins, like, on repeat. We had it on VHS. So I just, like, put it on, and I would watch it as a little kid over and over um, but around eight years old, I started acting on stage. Um, I did an acting, you know, summer camp. And as they say, like the acting bug kind of bit me. And not too long after that. So I, I guess I, I, I sort of point to eight years old as when like the artistic journey began. Um, but it was actually a few years later that my friend um, ended up getting a video camera for Christmas. Might have been like two or three years later. I don't know if you remember the Tyco video camera. You had to plug it into your VCR if you actually wanted to record yes. anything. Yes. Holy yes. <laughs> so that was that was my first experience holding a camera. It was not mine. It was my friend's camera. Um, but that was that was also when I was very very young. So maybe not eight years old, but maybe like ten or eleven years old. And uh, you know the two interests really aligned because I was. You know, I'm like, okay, great. We're going to write a script. And also I'm going to act in it. And also I'm going to film it and do all the stuff, you know, and that's, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you're, you have a video camera, that's how it tends to happen is you end up doing every piece of it. So, you know, (laughs) back to the VCRs, I'm editing from VCR to VCR for my camera to the VCR and, you know, all that, all that fun stuff. But yeah, it's, that's when the journey started around eight years old. Yeah. 
That is so cool that uh, I've always seen, uh, or not seen, but I've heard of people doing exactly what you did, the VCR to VCR editing. And I just, it still seems unfathomable that there was such things for home use around at that time. I mean, I was making videos with my friends when I was a kid, but never to that kind of like editing level. My God, I would be on a completely different path. I <laughs> might be working for you if I did have that kind of stuff. But what kind of yeah. films were you guys filming on the, on the uh, camcorders? I did a lot of stop action animation on my own. Um, nice. That was very simple for me. Um, when I ended up getting a camera, it had a feature where I could just capture a quarter of a second at a time, which is still pretty shaky for stop action, but it was a really good tool for me to be able to, right. you know, kind of make these little videos and things. Beyond that, I did a lot of like Star Wars inspired things. I made a lot of lightsaber videos with my friends, which then I was like, great, we made a, we made a video with a lightsaber fight how can I put effects in it? So then I started like figuring out how to make special effects as well. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that I did, um, actually uh, talking about being Star Wars inspired, George Lucas is, tends to be inspired just by like what you can do with technology and things. And right. so I started trying to do things as, as I'm manipulating images on the computer. I started making a little like videos where I cloned myself, where I was doing different things like, a lot of experimental stuff. Um, I, I even experimented with making a lightsaber, you know, fight video with myself, you know. Um, but it was uh, it was very experimental stuff. I mean, it was you know, especially when you're talking about clones and doing stuff by myself. I was trying to just make it interesting and and do you know weird stuff. But I was always writing scripts. Um, I was always, in fact, um, I'm one of the one of the stories that I'm working on developing now is something that I came up with in high school. Wow. That I'm like, okay, oh, great. Cool. I might actually have the resources to make this now. Let's develop it, you know? <laughs> That's so, so cool how that comes full circle. Yeah, yeah. And it's a how lot of you fun. Were... I mean, it's, it's a ton of fun. And it's really cool that you were doing Star Wars uh, films with clones before George Lucas was, seemingly, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, it was around the same time. It was, it was probably around when Attack of the Clones was coming out, yeah. Wow. That's pretty funny. That's so cool. I, I tried stop motion animation. The camcorder we had growing up was like the great big thing that went on the shoulder with the yeah. took the full size VHS. And boy, oh boy, my dad protected that thing with his life. We were not allowed to touch it. So I had to be very careful when taking it out and playing with it. But I would make like a little clay figurines and try to make them move. But, you know, when you hit the red light to record, the, the red light would come on, but it wouldn't immediately start recording. That's the same thing that would happen with mine. You had to leave it on for like a second and then hit it. So it Well, what I do is I hit record and immediately start going one, two, three, four, and then, you know, go watch the tape. And whatever second I knew, you know, whatever second it first ah. recorded. You knew where to stop. And then so, yeah. yeah, you'd have to hit record, count those seconds, stop, move your figure, hit record, count those seconds, stop. And it turned out horrendous, but <laughs> it was still a lot of fun. I'm sorry. I'm talking. You just have you're making my you're jogging my memory. Okay. Man. That's good. It's fun That's good. shit. Do you still have any of those tapes? I, I have them on VHS, but I don't have a VHS player, so that's going to be an obstacle. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably be bonus content on someday when there's a documentary about you. There you go. Hey, maybe, maybe. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do something worth making a documentary about first. and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Shimmer, man. Uh, th again, this was a fun movie to watch. And I've learned in our uh, almost nine years doing this show that it's not good practice to just start shooting off at the mouth, telling the listeners about the movie, because we might be divulging something that you don't want divulged mm. until it's seen. So I'm just going to give you the floor right now. Tell the listeners about Shimmer. Sure. Uh, Shimmer. Our tagline is, are you afraid of the light? There is an entity that lives in the light, and you really can't see it during the day. Our main character is a forensic scientist investigating a series of strange deaths. And as she continues to investigate, she realizes, this doesn't seem like a human killer. And then realizes, oh my gosh, this thing is after me and has to stop it. And that's Shimmer. Yeah, and a lot of fun. It definitely was. So tell us what the inspiration was for this film. Is this another one of those ideas you had kind of been floating around since high school or no? Not since high school necessarily, but actually there are some early childhood or early life influences that, that have like helped shape the film. Um, everyone, you know, most people are very familiar with the concept of being afraid of the dark. Yeah. And just as a thought experiment a few years ago, I'm thinking, well, why would somebody be afraid of the light? 
what are some characteristics of light that can be intimidating or frightening or could do something that could harm someone um you know light can be hot maybe it can burn you maybe you know you think about the idea of light revealing something that may have otherwise been hidden that maybe you didn't want to be revealed or somebody didn't want to be revealed so you know just thinking about ways that light could you know end up becoming an intimidating presence not necessarily a bad guy but just something that is dangerous right, mm -hmm, right. and um and those individual characteristics some of them i threw out some of them i kept and I started saying, you know, then, then they just sort of like organize themselves into, or I, I organize them into, you know, what I thought would be a, a very interesting, you know, series of reveals um, in terms of what, you know, uh, I, I think there's different points in the movie where it's like you're getting different threats in different in different ways over the course of the film. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, if I if I if I am to say where did the idea come from, the idea came from, you know, this idea of what is why would somebody be afraid of the light? Sure. Um, you know, and and everything just kind of birthed out, out from that. But also I started thinking about like, what are some lights that I'm afraid of or have been afraid of? So I started thinking about as a little kid, I would be laying in bed at night and looking at the smoke detector blinking. And for whatever reason, that blinking light represented fire to me and danger. And, mm, you know, yeah. and so I was like, that's a scary light. And there was a there was a moment in the script where like the character of Thea is like just in bed, like staring at a light. And that was an early version. And just logistically, it didn't work in the final version. But I was like, that's literally me as a little kid, like wondering if that's scary, you know, or feeling scared because of that thing that represents fire, that represents danger. Yeah. And so I just kind of expanded on those kind of ideas. Wow, I never thought about that. That little yeah. ominous, that little bastard of a red light hanging up there in the corner. <laughs> Could be an eyeball oh, looking at you. Yeah. 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 a lot to the imagination, mm -hmm. doesn't it? <laughs> so, and and I at the top of the episode, I, I said this movie's you know very unique, and it, it really is, especially with kind of the way the the characters are, are killed. You know, as a writer, as you're writing something down like a death sequence, stuff like that, and you bring it, it's brought to life on screen. Is that do you feel like it was kind of what you had in your mind is what popped up on screen, or like how like how well was it portrayed from right, your right. mind to the movie screen? You know, um, especially because the way the deaths happen in this film, they're kind of unique. Yes, I think I think for the most part, it happened the way that I hoped it would. Um, I was really lucky to work with a great visual effects artist who um, really communicated well. We went back and forth on a few iterations. Um, I actually did some of the visual effects myself as well. Oh, awesome. So um, I was able to kind of like pretty, pretty closely represent what I was hoping to get, you know, for a few of them. Um, I, uh, most of the actual creature effects was done, were done by this other uh, individual who, you know, really, I think did an excellent job with, mm -hmm. uh, with some of that stuff. But yeah, it's, it is interesting to write a character death and see it happening in in particular there is a death and i'll just say it happens in a green room there's a death that happens in a green room um in a somewhat violent manner and that that particular uh moment um uh somebody gets a spike through the head and that i really uh pictured it as i was writing it and i was like this is kind of that classic you know i feel like horror shot where it's just you're not exactly sure what's going on and mm. and you know we actually didn't storyboard quite a lot. Um, that was kind of one thing I, I you know, want to do more of in the future. We didn't, we didn't actually do a heck of a lot of storyboarding. So I was, uh, I was really trying to describe to my director of photography um, and and you know the and the crew just like what I wanted everything to look like. But actually, um, for the most part, stuff came out pretty accurate to what I was hoping. Yeah, and it, again, it's a really unique kind of cool way for the characters and just the whole movie. It's just it's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I hope I, this isn't saying too much, but I'm not giving anything away. But uh, one of the shards of, um, I'll just say one of the shards. One of the shards. <laughs> yes. Uh, when they were looking at it like real closely, you could see like veins in it. And that mm -hmm. was such a cool yeah. added little effect there. I, I really dug that. That was really cool. I, I, I think that was my shot, so thank was you. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> Brush my shoulders so. off over here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then, um, again, not giving anything away, but, you know, the end of the movie does kind of set itself up to have a sequel. Um, is, are there plans for that in future? Is that just you kind of leaving the door open to revisit later on? At the moment, the door is open. I have ideas, um, but... I hesitate to say I'm definitely moving forward with something until 
there there was a um a, a few kind of like metaphors that helped shape the story of Shimmer, and I think that some of them could carry on into some other you know storyline along sure. you know here. But I think that I'd really need to find something else to say in the in the future i can easily say okay great well here are the next couple of things that happen in the story but i think i i really want to find that kind of deeper message that uh you know i there, there are some things that i put into the script here that certain characters maybe wouldn't have died if this particular metaphor wasn't here or maybe others would have mm, you know it. stuff like that so i would just want to make sure that i had that metaphor really solid i have ideas i i mean i really would like to you know i think i think it's a cool it's a really cool world it's a really cool concept it's a really cool thing and i would love to say yes i'm going to make more so i just want to say uh the door is open yes got it Get it fleshed out before a bunch of just random killing for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's one of the most original um, ideas I've seen. I've, I've never seen an idea like it I, that yeah. I can think of. No, Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Very uh, unexpected kind of uh, killer. You know what I mean? Mm. But I encourage our listeners to check it out at shimmerthemovie.com. And you can pick up a copy on Blu-ray and DVD at Walmart or can stream it on Amazon, Vudu, Dish, and In Demand. Uh, again, bravo to you on that film, Rob. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, another thing I want to ask you about that I only uh, found out about shortly before we started recording was a documentary you did uh, called uh, Real For Us, Fandom, Friendship, and The Boy Who Lived, which is pretty much based around a Harry Potter convention in 2011. Yes. Can you tell us a little more about this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was heavily involved in the, uh, you know, the, the first decade of the 2000s, um, you know, from 2000, I, I mostly picked, started doing this maybe in, in 2005, 2006, but um, there was a subgenre of music based around the Harry Potter series called Wizard Rock. And there oh, were wow. bands called Harry and the Potters, Draco and the Malfoys, the Whomping Willows, the, <laughs> the Moaning Myrtles, uh, you know, uh, all, all Kingsley and the Shacklebolts, all these bands. And it was this insane, I mean, there were, there were, so many people and there would be these wizard rock shows there were wizard rock festivals it was this humongous thing and i noticed that some of these people who were making wizard rock music then went on and made muggle music just music for themselves they became musicians they actually like started a created a career based on this thing that they were doing as a kid for the love of the harry potter series and i noticed not only were people doing that with music but they were doing that with writing people would write Harry Potter fan fiction, but then they became writers. They, you know, and so they were practicing these skills based on mm -hmm. this series that they were interested in. And so in 2011, the uh, final Harry Potter movie, Deadly Hallows Part Two, was coming out. And uh, I thought, you know what? Like, I grew up watching this series. I myself made a series of Harry Potter fan films. Like, I, I, I made it a thing, um, which was not done by the time I made this, but regardless, like, as, I, as we were talking about earlier, being inspired by Star Wars and wanting to make movies, well, there was a whole generation of people who were inspired by different things from Harry Potter. And so I wanted to make this documentary about people who did exactly that, started writing Wizard Rock and now they're a musician. They started doing, you know, they started writing wow. fan fiction. Now they're, now they're a writer. They started doing, um, they started doing uh, just activist things. So there is a, there's the Harry Potter Alliance. It's, it's, it's this uh, many, uh, you know, when there was the earthquake in Haiti many years ago, the Harry Potter Alliance raised enough money to send three full cargo planes full of supplies to Haiti, which Jeez. they named Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Um, so this documentary, it's centered around the Harry Potter convention because that's when the film was being released. Everyone's t emotions were very high. It was this incredible event. And um, I just thought, you know what, let's, let's capture this. Let's get some of these stories. Let's talk about some of these people and how this series shaped their lives. And, and um, it was cool. I was glad to be able to capture it at that time. Um, I, think it's, I think it's kind of a sweet documentary. Um, certainly there's a lot that's changed in the Harry Potter community since then. Um, you know, a lot of people are not super duper stoked about how the author is, uh, you know, going going out into the world right now but um mm -hmm. you know i think this is an interesting slice of life um you know before Absolutely. there was quite so much controversy and i think it's i think it's very i think it's fascinating honestly just to to, to be so inspired by something and then have it shape what you end up doing 
So yeah, it makes me think of like uh, I think every town has their own like, or every big city has like their own chapter of the Ghostbusters that are always doing like canned food drive kind of stuff. Yeah. How how mm-hmm. fandom can uh, impact the real life? How these movies can really. Uh, bleed into people doing good things. That's incredible. I'm going to have to watch that. I didn't know there were things to that, that magnitude happening. Mm -hmm. There was, yeah, it's, you'd be surprised how pervasive it was as a matter of fact. I mean, like people talk about the Harry Potter community and the fandom community as being like this really expressive thing at that time when the books were coming out and all that. But like, it actually went a lot deeper than I think people kind of realize. I mean, um, and not in an unhealthy way, I would think. I mean, right. for, for most people, <laughs> yeah. like you know, I, I, you can get you can get a little crazy with some people in their fandoms, but uh, that's yeah. neither here nor there. But yeah, I mean, it was yeah. I, I, I I'm glad to have captured it. I think it's I think it's a cool thing. I think it's a very cool thing. It certainly sounds like it. When I saw that, I thought, okay, well, maybe it's just like document you know documenting uh, just the Harry Potter fandom at this particular point in time. But it seems like it just goes way past that. I'm excited to watch it. Cool. Yeah. Very good. Do you know where somebody like us could could watch that or where it's available at? That's also on uh, that's also on Amazon Prime. So okay. that's that's the only place I think you can get that one. But there were there were some DVDs that were made and that that, that uh, they're not anywhere. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you've got a documentary under your belt as well as a horror movie. You know what's kind of down the road for you? You're going to explore other genres. You're going to stick to horror and I'm actually. Uh, in just over a month, I guess in 40 days or so on uh, March 27th, uh, my second feature is going to premiere at the Garden State Film Festival. Oh, wow. It is a very different genre. Um, it's a sort of a romantic comedy coming of age story called 29. It's a, it's a film about two naive 29 year olds. They never really had to make any major decisions in life. And they meet and start to fall in love just in time for life to threaten to take them in separate directions. And they need to really take the reins of their lives for the first time. Um, so that's uh, based. That one's that one's basically done. Uh, just kind of putting the final you know polish on that, and that's a feature film. And beyond that, I have a lot of other stories that I'm looking forward to telling. I have many outlines. I've got a time travel movie. I've got a oh. comedy. I've got a uh, 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 sort of a space ballsy uh, like parody film, not a space, not in space, but like what space balls is to Star Wars. This film sure, is right. to another kind of concept. So I've, I, I, I just have a lot of stories I'm looking forward to telling. My, my goal is to uh, release one film a year moving forward if I can. Awesome. Nice. That's incredible. Yeah. You're going to have to keep in uh, touch with us and let us know when these are coming out. We can get you back on to talk about them because they sound incredible. I'm excited to Please. Uh, yeah. hear more. I would love to. Yeah, love to. For our listeners to uh, check Rob out, head over to Instagram. He's at spindip25 and on Twitter mm. at Rob. No, that changed. I, I now have a, a Rob Ciano film Instagram. Yes. Ooh, I'll have to update that. Yes. I think I, I think I followed the wrong one today. <laughs> I, I think you did, but it, that, that's the one that's been the most active. It's just now I have the now I have a real one. So. Okay, well I'll follow the other one too. What about Twitter? Is it the same situation there? Uh, Twitter, I only have the one Twitter, which is uh, at Rob Ciano, and then you yes. have your own website, robciano.com, and then again, Schum- Schumer, shimmerthemovie.com. Is there anywhere else people should be checking you out, Rob? <laughs> Uh, those are the those are the main ones. Um, Shimmer has an Instagram and a uh, a Facebook page as well. Um, and I guess the only other place that I would direct you to is uh, venture-cinema.com, which is the website for my production company. Um, okay. I don't update that site all that often, but that's where you know there'll be any official releases about anything future coming up. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, man, for taking time to be here. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been great. This has been a great talk. Thank, thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Jack, what do we have on the website, sir? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can listen, like, subscribe to the show, buy some merch, become a patron, see some YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at cannedairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And again, that website Jack was just talking about, cannedairpodcast.com, has a link to our merch and Patreon page. Uh, where you can show support and get merchandise or just extra content for said support. Randy, what am I forgetting? And check out your boys at evergreenpodcast.com. 
as well as however you're listening to us, leave us a like and review. It really does help. It helps tremendously. The more we get, the more exposure that platform will give us. So, yeah, give us some reviews, likes, all that happy crap. You guys know how the game works. Just <laughs> just play it with us, people, all right? All right, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. So uh, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And I'm Rob Ciano. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where you gotta go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. <laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candare podcast. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! If you could just each point out which of you is which, that would be helpful, though. Jeremy, I don't know if it, okay. Randy, and Tone Deaf. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> Egon. Okay. Yep, yep. You know it. Yes. Good yes. company. <laughs> this has been a Canned Air production. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.